Our New Testament lesson today comes from Matthew, the seventh chapter, a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Just three brief verses, but very powerful ones and very instructive ones. So this is, I'll be reading from Matthew, the seventh chapter, verses 21 through 23. In your pew Bible, that's on page seven, if you don't have your own Bible with you. Listen for the word of God. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Beginning this, morn this morning and continuing throughout the season of Lent, the 40 days, exclusive of Sundays, but uh, going all the way through Palm Sunday, we will be focusing together on the subject of prayer. What is the meaning of it? Uh, why does it matter for disciples of Jesus Christ? And some of you may be wondering in your own minds, is this a topic that really deserves six weeks of our time together? So many things to consider. I think it does, and I'll give you some of my reasoning for this as uh, in planning my preaching for this season. One of the reasons I'm doing this is because of the purpose of Lent itself, historically and liturgically, Lent served two primary purposes. One was that it was a time of preparing those people who were about to be baptized or were about to confirm their faith, uniting with the Christian community. Very important time and work in the life of the church. Actually, we are in the midst of our confirmation class right now, so we are following that tradition. But it's something you need to be prepared for. If you are going to embrace Jesus Christ as both your Savior and your Lord, everyone wants Jesus to be their Savior. Whether or not Jesus is your Lord is another matter completely. And the second person, uh, purpose for Lent was not for those who were preparing for discipleship and for membership in the Christian community, but for those who already were a part of that community. They are called upon in Lent to examine the character and the nature of their own discipleship. What does it look like in their life? How faithful are they being to the promises they have made? So those are the two purposes for Lent. And uh, you might say, well, what does that have to do with prayer? It has a lot to do with prayer in my mind. Uh, because I think discipleship, it may not end here. But I think discipleship for many of us will begin with prayer. Also, this subject of prayer is, uh, fits well with one of my responsibilities and one of the session's responsibilities in this congregation. The session is charged to review the roles of the church annually. Did you know that? Not many churches do it very faithfully. But it's a time for doing that. And especially now in this time of transition... In the church, one of my responsibilities as an interim pastor is to see that we look at the roles carefully for different purposes, for re-engaging those people who may have slipped a, a bit in their discipleship, 
maybe intentionally, maybe accidentally, to try to get them reengaged in the life and work of the church. It's also a time to see who is really serious about living out their discipleship here as a part of this congregation. Um, so it's a time for each of us to examine the quality of our life in Christ and to decide what does it really mean to us. Several of us have been suspicious that uh, maybe there's a lot of inflated numbers on the role of the church. There is in most churches because most sessions find it very difficult to review the roles and hold people accountable for their discipleship. You're going to hear the clergy of this church talking a lot more about discipleship than membership. Now both are important. They ought to be the same, right? If you're a disciple, you ought to be a member. If you're a member, you ought to be a disciple. But you and I know that the two are not necessarily the same. But it's a time to focus on making them the same. In nearly every church I've served, I have discovered among many people a felt inadequacy when it comes to the life of prayer for different reasons. People have confessed to me that they either pray seldom, if at all, and there's much to be desired in their life of prayer. If you feel like that and can admit it to yourself, that's a great starting point because change can't come about except through honest confession sometimes. So, so maybe just admitting to yourself that you've not been much of a person or a disciple of prayer is a good thing to acknowledge, even maybe to admit to those closest to you and you're in good company if you feel that way one of the disciples came to Jesus according to the 11th chapter of Luke and he may have been speaking for the others as well but he said Lord teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray so simply acknowledging that you have a problem when it comes to your own spiritual life your own prayer life is a good starting point and one of the things we are electing a new class of elders today I'll have to tell you quite honestly that over my life as a minister, the primary objection to serving as an elder for many people has been their reluctance to pray. They are scared to death that someone will call upon them to pray. They say that the, the number one fear among men is public speaking, but I bet the really number one fear is public praying. If a man has a hard time speaking in public, he'll probably have an even more difficult time praying in public. So people are uneasy about prayer, this task of prayer, this opportunity of prayer, this privilege of prayer, whatever you want to call it. Now, the portion of Scripture that we just listened to from the Sermon on the Mount is one that's brief but very instructive and very disturbing. There's a haunting truth that we find in this passage that we would do well not to ignore because actually Jesus seems to be rather dismissive here of some of the things we place a high value and priority on in our life of faith. Things like believing the right things, saying the right words, doing the right deeds that honor God. And yet Jesus seems to be saying here that something more than that is needed. Doing these good things is appropriate and advisable but maybe we can do them and Jesus doesn't even know us how about that we're like these people in many ways that Jesus is referring to are we not we say Lord Lord we have the right words uh, we do good and wonderful works 
in service to God in this community this church has a profound impact upon the larger community here that's a good thing that's a great thing and yet Christianity is not a religion like a lot of other religions it's not simply a body of belief it's not simply a body of action but Christianity first and foremost is about a personal relationship between the believer and his or her Lord a relationship that is personal with the one who has created us the one who in Jesus Christ has redeemed us and the one whose spirit actually dwells within us and yet I fear that we haven't focused very much on this personal relationship I fear that in my own life I fear that uh, maybe I've spent far too much time in my life in ministry talking about God rather than talking with God focusing on a, a, a knowledge of God uh, rather than a personal relationship with God maybe I've been focusing as some of the rest of us have on a religion more so than a relationship I don't know about you but I feel for myself that I spend really only a fraction of my time and attention to nurturing my personal fellowship with God and frankly I would confess that through much of my ministry prayer has been more of a duty a responsibility an obligation a professional obligation if you will people expect the preacher to pray than a personal time of sharing with my Lord but I want my prayer life to be different I hope you want yours to be different I want my prayer life to be something that is as natural and refreshing and fulfilling as carrying on a conversation with someone I love in whose presence I delight I want my prayer life to be a time when I become better acquainted with God and God becomes better acquainted with me because that seems to be important to Jesus here I want it to be a time when we affirm our mutual love where we can discover and to share mutual burdens and and passions really I want my prayer life to move from the right side of my brain the rational disciplined and systematic side to the left side of my brain which is far more intuitive and mystical and experiential because you see what I think about prayer is not nearly so important as what I do about it even though in the coming weeks we will look at uh, a lot of the problems and struggles of prayer and how this has been understood by God's people through the years the primary thing is that we commit ourselves to practicing prayer David H.C. Reed who for many years was the minister of Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City wrote one time in the living pulpit saying that the best sermon on prayer is not the one that answers our questions about it but the one that actually incites us to do it so this series on prayer will prove to be worthwhile and effective not if we know more about prayer at the end of it but if in our own life we have better develop the discipline and the privilege of prayer personally now don't get me wrong prayer is a duty we are commanded to pray so that is true but it's also a choice it's also a decision one in which Jesus has modeled for us in his own life and one that is at the heart of many of his teachings throughout the Gospels and we will look at some of these events in the coming weeks but to suffice it to say at this point that prayer is not as many assume simply a charm a talisman 
a learned mechanism for getting God to do what we desire or bringing God around to seeing our perspective on things in life. The greatest benefit of prayer is not the results we get from it, but the relationship that forms because of it. It's not the gifts we desire, but rather it is our coming to know the giver in a more intimate and personal way. Today and in the weeks to come, we may even sing this song again that we will sing shortly, one that I loved in childhood. It doesn't appear, sadly, in our new hymnal, which is probably the best hymnal I've ever seen in the life of the church, but many of the older ones among us will know the hymn, Prayer is the Soul's Sincere Desire, written by a Scottish poet by the name of James Montgomery. There's some memorable phrases in this old hymn reminding us that prayer is more than simply the words we speak. In truth, prayer is the soul's sincere desire, whatever that may be. It's the language of the heart, unuttered or expressed. Prayer is what trembles in the breast. It's what produces our tears and our fears or prompts them. In truth, it is the Christian's vital breath, the Christian's native air, as he put it. Prayer is the primary arena in which God and his children engage and meet and share with one another. Finding in that process their communion, their confidence, their delight, and their peace. Prayer is the place where love is shared. Honest exchange takes place. And quite frankly, apart from a life of prayer, our faith will remain academic or theoretical or superficial or bland or all of the above. And a person who never prays will never comprehend the real nature of discipleship or the meaning of commitment because this person won't have a true knowledge of God, nor will God have a true knowledge of this person. There hasn't been a relationship. Because what matters is not only how we know God, but how God knows us. The Lord wants to know his disciples. You know, you can be a disciple of a lot of different people in life. You can be a disciple of Karl Marx or Ronald Reagan or Bear Bryant or Mike Krzyzewski or Roy Williams. But you don't necessarily know that person. You know about them. You know their style. You know their thinking. You know their approach. Some of us are disciples like that with Christ. We know about Christ. But do we know Christ? And more importantly, does Christ know us? Now this topic of prayer is not going to be exhausted or covered in a lifetime, much less during six weeks of Lent. Uh, we will look at a number of aspects of prayer together, but we certainly won't resolve all of life's or prayer's mysteries or its wonders. It will forever remain a mystery. In fact, I was thinking, had to go back and look at the source of the quote, but I thought about this with respect to prayer. Winston Churchill said it about Russia back in a radio address in 1939. When he was speaking of Russia, he said, Russia is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. Prayer is often like that as well. So we'll never figure it out completely, but that doesn't matter. Can we practice it? Can we commit to it? I would challenge you as we go through this season of Lent together to commit yourself, not just to reflecting on prayer or trying to understand it better, but to actually practicing it. And I assure you, if you do that, you will discover a deeper fellowship with your Lord, a richer relationship, 
a stronger commitment to Christ and to his church, which he loves and for which he died. And if that were to occur in this congregation or any other, it would transform life within that congregation. There are no problems that a church has today that cannot be solved by greater spiritual commitment and a deeper devotion to prayer among its members and its disciples. So let's resolve to be and to do that in the coming days. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.